Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Greg Alessara. He is head of brand and communications at Harmony, which is a uh, lending platform based in New Zealand and Australia. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hey, Jordan. Nice to be talking to you. Just a little bit of history of you before we get to what Harmony has been about. Sounds good. Yeah, so look, um, I I have a long history um, in uh, digital product design, to be honest. So um, I go back about 15, 20 years and um, have spent a lot of time building products, um, spent much of my time in advertising, and then actually was was working with Harmony before they launched in 2014. Um, I spent uh, six months working with them, getting prepared for their launch, um, which was very successful. And then six months after that, um, on the back of a of a capital raising round, um, they offered me to come and join them. So I, I started off as their very first head of product design and was in that role for the last four years. And, and most recently, um, have been offered and have started in the role of head of brand and communications. Um, but I've been, you know, very involved with the company. We started off as a small, small team um, in a small, small office, uh, and have grown steadily over the years. We now have over 120 people, um, and in the context of that, New, Ze- uh, New Zealand, that's a relatively decent-sized um, company here, especially for uh, for a fintech. Um, and so my involvement in the business has really put me in a good position to be able to um, take over this role of brand and communications, um, and that's where I am today. Great. So let's talk about the kind of fintech world a little bit. There's all kinds of new startups like yours that are coming into the area. Your particular area is, I guess, what's called peer-to-peer lending. What role do you play that traditional banks uh, are not playing? How can you disrupt traditional banks? Yeah, well, it helps to have a little bit of context of the New Zealand situation. You know, we're a very small, comp- uh, very small country. You know, on the other side of the world, um, we're somewhat um, uh, work very closely or seen as associated with Australia. They're very much the big brother, uh, and New Zealand is a much smaller marketplace. And so we have to. Ass- an extent um, relied you know, heavily on Australian banks. In fact, um, in New Zealand, we have, you know, four major banks. I know in the US, for example, you know, you have thousands of banks. So there's lots of choice um, and there's lots of options for customers. Um, in New Zealand, historically, you know, we've been, you know, pretty well dominated by the four um, major Australian banks who are some of the most profitable banks uh, in the world. Um, we do have challenger banks in New Zealand as well, but what that does provide to us is this massive opportunity to create um, opportunities um, for for borrowers and um, lenders in New Zealand, and that's kind of where we fit in. Um, we are able to um, use um, innovations and technology to create new products and services um, for those for those customers who to a certain extent, um, aren't getting the same level um, of service from, from those from those large, large incumbents. So that provides opportunity for us, and that's kind of where we fit in. So let's take it first from the lender side, from people who need loans. Is it easier 
to get a loan from Harmony or is, is the interest rate lower? What is the advantage of getting a loan from Harmony as opposed to going to one of those big four banks? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's both those things, to be honest, Jordan. Uh, in the first instance, um, we provide a, a much more convenient way for borrowers to apply for a loan. Um, so there's no having to book to go in to see um, you know, someone at the bank. You can do it at any time at your own convenience on your own device. Um, and you know, for a lot of people, that's a big deal. Um, you know, I, I, you know, if you go into a, a shopping mall, for example, in New Zealand on the weekend, and you know, we have lots of banks who have their branches in those malls. Um, there are just scores and scores of people in those banks trying to get service on a weekend because they cannot get, uh, you know, away from their jobs during the week. Um, so just the pure convenience of being able to apply from anywhere at any time um, is a big deal for those people. Um, the second thing is we make that application very, very quick. Um, so most people can get an application done, you know, in less than, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Um, that's 10, 15 minutes um, out of their day um, at any time they choose to do it. And for a lot of people, let's face it, you know, it'll be late at night when all the kids are in bed and stuff. Um, the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, New Zealand um, has been experiencing um, some of the lowest interest rates in, in, in historic times, to be honest. Um, they've never been lower. Uh, and really up until, you know, we kind of came onto the market in, in 2014, 2015, you know, we weren't really seeing the benefits of lower interest rates come through into personal loans for consumers. Um, now, it may just be it may just be timing, but, you know, we like to think that, you know, part of our introduction into the marketplace with risk-based pricing, which for some borrowers provided with them with a much, much lower rate, um, really did put pressure on those interest rates to come down across the whole board. So um, when they come to us, they get um, risk-based pricing, which they don't get at a bank. It's pretty much one size fits all if you go to a bank. Um, and that means that people can get very good um, rates for us um, based on how their- much lower. How much lower would the rate be for a borrower from uh, Harmony versus a traditional bank for the same kind of loan? Yeah, so so banks, you know, they they, they traditionally will sit somewhere at around, you know, eighteen to twenty percent per annum um, for a personal loan, um, and you know, it's it's been that for for, for many many years, uh, and everyone pretty much gets the same rate if you go to one of the main banks. Uh, if you come to Harmony, you know, we have a a wide range of interest rates based upon um, credit profiles, and they'll go anywhere from being, um, you know, 8.99% um, up until your 29.99. Um, but of course, when you get into those those higher interest rates, they really are for people who um, really don't have a credit history, um, and therefore we're just giving them an opportunity to kind of create that history with a very, very, you know, small loan in many cases. But for those low interest rates, when you're on 8.99, for example, and we offer up to $70,000 um, for some of our borrowers in those instances, you know, you can have significant savings, especially if you're comparing that with a comparable bank loan, which could be around 18 you know, to 20%. Wow. And now let's go to the other side. For the savers, um, what kind of yield can they get and how does that compare to what they can get on savings accounts at the, the four traditional banks? Yeah, so, you know, in, in New Zealand, um, you know, we've, the 
the most common investment vehicle for you know retail lenders, um, and they're really your ma and pa investors. Uh, sorry, your ma and pa investors. Um, they would be putting their money into what we call term deposits. I think uh, over there in the US they're called um, uh, savings accounts, savings accounts, yeah. or, or CDs. Yeah. 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 So, you know, over, over here in New Zealand, you know, if you put your money into a CD, you know, you'll be getting, you know, 3 to 4%. Um, and uh, if you put your money into the, into Harmony, for example, and invest in loans, um, we are seeing, you know, our retail investors are seeing returns uh, of upwards of 12%. So that is a significant significant increase um, and increase in return for those for those investors and of course one thing that also we've been provided to the marketplace in New Zealand is just the ability to get into a asset class which they've never had availability to before um, we know that you know banks have really benefited from being able to you know secure the personal loans marketplace for decades and decades and decades that hasn't really been available to um, to Mar and Par investors and so with them coming on to the Harmony platform, um, this is really the first time that we've been able to enjoy the um, the returns that you can get from that um, from that asset class. And what have been the bank's reaction? They don't like competition like this. They're losing out on both ends. They're losing their deposit accounts and they're losing loans to you. Uh, what has been their reaction to that? The reaction has been um, uh, actually what we've seen from the banks in New Zealand. Uh, has actually been really quite positive. You know, they they know that the world is changing. Um, they know that there are things that they, um, you know, there are, there are certain products and services that they that they will need to look at in the future. But to a certain extent, they have got some time to just sit back and observe of what what is happening. Um, and so, what we've seen is banks looking very closely at what fintech can provide to consumers. Uh, a lot of them have invested them invest, invested into their own incubators uh, to explore this space. Uh, and we are also seeing them you know, partner up with fintechs. Uh, and we are an example of that. Um, so, so we have um, on our platform um, so institutional lenders and um, some of those are uh, um, banks in New Zealand um, who have come onto the platform, and we are also partnering up with um, with the Australian bank as well. So what we're actually seeing them is kind of embracing where we're going with fintech, um, but they are kind of working through partnerships rather than going in, you know, wholesale. Uh, and we just see that as being really positive. I believe that there are many, many opportunities for us to work together for the benefit of borrowers and lenders. And so, do you get the word out about what Harmony is offering? Pretty much online, or how are you, how are you marketing the brand? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Jordan. It's it, it's 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 pretty much online. You know, we we really do focus on getting our digital channels working most effectively for us. Um, we have done uh, some other you know marketing for so for example, New Zealand's a little bit un, unusual um, being such a small marketplace. Um, it is possible for you to almost get nationwide reach through television nowadays. And, and you know, if you're in Australia, certainly in the US, you, you could never dream of doing that. Um, but in New Zealand, it's still possible. So we, we still do some um, television marketing, um, but predominantly it is through, through digital. Um, and so, you know, we do a lot of the normal digital activities. 
Um, but we work very closely with um, with partners in the digital space. One of one of those being being Google, who we work with um, very very closely. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this half hour is Greg Alessara. He is head of brand and communications at Harmony, which is a peer-to-peer lending platform based in New Zealand. They also have operations in Australia. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is this half hour is Greg Alessara. He's head of brand and communications at Harmony, which is a peer-to-peer lending platform based in New Zealand. And you also uh, work in Australia. Is that correct? Are you going to have big hopes for uh, growth in Australia? Yeah, we do. We um, we do operate in Australia. We we launched. Um, Quietly in Australia in, in 2015, um, we were still very much focused on, um, on on growth in New Zealand, um, but Australia has always been um, part of our plan. Uh, and so our launch there in 2015 was really more than anything was to just understand the market a bit better there, um, and also to, to prove out the product would work there and work effectively, um, which which that has proven to be. Uh, and so in the next. Uh, in the next year or two, you know, we, you'll see us start to, to develop more in Australia and, and to make a, a bit more noise in that market space as well. 
So how many other peer-to-peer lending platforms are there in New Zealand and Australia competing with you? There's a, there, there's a number of, there's quite a few small operators um, in, in New Zealand. Um, so in, in New Zealand, you have to have a license to operate uh, a peer-to-peer marketplace uh, in New Zealand. I think we're a little bit unusual um, globally in that uh, the New Zealand government specifically made legislation to support um, uh, peer-to-peer lending uh, in New Zealand. Um, and that was because they saw the opportunities for us to be able to create uh, innov- innovation um, in New Zealand um, and that we needed a strong regulatory framework to be able to support that. Um, and so we have four license holders in New Zealand. We were the first um, in 2014 to get issued with a license. Um, and uh, we are, I think it's safe to say that we are by far um, the biggest uh, in, in New Zealand um, with now over a billion dollars. Um, and lending in Australia, there's a there's a few more players um, and a few more established players. We certainly weren't the first in Australia, um, but we had but we are now the fastest growing platform uh, in Australia, uh, and we certainly um, aim to be um, one of the biggest there as well. So, how would you compare what you do to the big players in the U.S., particularly Prosper and Lending Club, which are really getting quite large, although they've had some definite issues. I mean, they've had higher default rates than most people expected, and there were some regulatory issues. How do you compare where you are with Prosper and Lending Club? Yeah, well, one thing that I think is key to understand um, when we when we think about comparisons is just really the size of our market. You know, it is it is very small in comparison. Um, and, and so when you're working in a smaller marketplace, uh, you do have a certain level of exposure where you really are dealing in a much smaller pool of, of customers. Um, and so you'll find that we are very, very focused on understanding um, customers and what their needs are. Um, and not just in one individual um, product. Um, currently, yes, we just do you know personal loans, um, but we are looking at other opportunities to provide other products and services. Um, and that may extend, well, we expect that would extend out of personal loans at some point. Um, and the other thing that we keep in mind too um, is that at any one time, we have many customers who we cannot offer a personal loan to at that time. Um, and so what we do is we are looking at opportunities to be able to provide value to those customers, which may be beyond um, a personal loan. Um, it may be some products that are around managing their um, credit score, for example, or it may be around um, savings, or it may be a product that enables them to learn more just about you know, financial education. Um, but when they come to us, yes, they may be coming for a personal loan, but depending on their circumstances, a personal loan might not be the right answer for them at that time. Um, and what we'll be looking for is ways that we can provide value to them um, beyond that personal loan. Uh, in terms of what other competitors are doing and what, what some of the larger players, players are doing, because of the size of their markets, they probably don't have to really have those same levels of consideration. Yes, they'll be focused on providing superior um, user experience um, and customer experience, um, but they probably don't have to diversify into products and services as much as we do with a smaller um, customer base. Yeah. What kind of default rates are, are you experiencing 
on the lending side? And is this something that the, the uh, savers, the people who are investing, are, are happy with? Or are they having higher default rates than they might expect? Um, well, when we're when talking about default rates, you know, we do fold that into um, what we call our um, realized annual return um, for a portfolio, um, and those are all published on our website. I mean, one of the one of the one of the key principles um, of Harmony right from when we started was to ensure that we shared as much data as we could um, with with lenders. Um, and indeed, a large part of our license is for us to be able to share this information with lenders. Uh, of course, they need to be able to make um, an informed credit decision when they're investing in a loan. Um, so we do publish all that information um, on our website. Um, and what we're finding from, from lenders is that they, um, that they, they accept that there will be losses um, that's just part of you know being a lender on a platform. Um, it is part of the risk when you take on um, a loan. Um, but you know with these return rates of you know north of twelve uh, percent, um, you know it's a it's a risk that they're willing to accept. Um, I guess the key thing for our lenders is really um, we, we we the biggest challenge for us is just getting enough loans to be able to. Um, service the lenders that we have, but they're certainly happy with the returns, and we we get very very little um, f- uh, negative feedback around around losses. So in, in the imbalance right now, there's more people wanting to lend money than there are people willing to borrow, or what is the balance like between those two? Yeah, that's right, Jordan. We um, we have um, we have me- we have nine thousand um, active um, lenders on our platform. Um, and that's really where our challenge is, is, is just being able to um, get the growth to be able to service um, those lenders. We have um, uh, much more um, money to lend than we have borrowers at this point. So would you expand in Australia or other places as well to get more borrowers? Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, you know, a large part of our focus will be Australia in the coming years. That's a big, big marketplace for us. Um, there's certainly some challenges there, some exciting ones though, you know, like often often it works the other way. You'll have an Australian company who gets, you know, large and established in Australia and then they'll come over to New Zealand and then they'll they'll start to, you know, um, grow their grow their market share by by going to uh, into New Zealand. Uh, we're kind of doing the reverse thing, so we're we're small, um, well small market, but we're large here. Uh, our challenge is to to make an impact on Australia. And we feel that we have the product um, to be able to do so, uh, and it's a much, much larger uh, market. So we feel as if we can, you know, just make a, a solid entry into that marketplace over there, then, you know, we we expect um, real positive outcomes from that. Can you take money from anywhere? Can somebody from the U.S. invest in uh, Harmony as well online? Uh, oh, no. Um, no, unfortunately, um, we'd love to be able to take um, funds from from offshore, but um, but no, at the moment you, you do need to um, you do need to be uh, a registered investor in in New Zealand. Um, there's actually um, it's actually more of a compliance um, issue um, for those types of lenders um, than anything else. We we would certainly be happy to take those funds, but you know there is. Um, AML or um, anti-money laundering um, 
compliance that we have to adhere to, and, and that often requires people to be um, resident in New Zealand. I see. Just talk a little bit briefly about the kind of personal finance education efforts going on in New Zealand, because I think there's quite a few of them from the government. What are some of the uh, initiatives in that area? Yeah, yeah. Look, that's a really interesting question. You know, New Zealand, um, New Zealand has over the you know last ten years or so spent a lot of money um, or effort, you know, educating New Zealanders in um, in personal finance. Um, you know, a lot of that has come through government funding of various tools, online tools, and online documentation and information. Um, you know, and there's good reason. For, for us doing that at a government level, you know, our household debt, you know, has reached extraordinary levels. You know, we have, um, we have, uh, it's now at a high of 166% of gross income. You know, we have things like, for example, um, one, a, a seaside city called Tauranga in New Zealand, um, which when I was growing up was something of a sleepy seaside surf town. Um, and has grown to be New Zealand's second largest city um, and has become the eighth most unaffordable city in the world in which to live. And so New Zealand has unusual challenges to a certain extent, and a lot of that um, comes down to being able to understand um, personal finance. And so the government has spent a lot of effort into creating tools to be able to foster an understanding of how best manage personal finances um, from from our perspective as a company, we feel that still there's a lot of work to do here. Um, it's one thing to be able to provide tools online and information to be able to try and encourage um, education, um, but I think we need to do it. I think we need to do a lot more. You know, certainly in in a lot of the applications that we see, we do see a disparity or disconnect between people's understanding of personal finance and their own situation. Um, just doing more tools and providing more documentation, I'm not sure that's the answer. I think we need to have a look at how we can actually change the experience of maybe even applying for a loan or looking at the way that people understand or um, comprehend their um, credit score um, so that they can learn what all these things mean. There's, there's really this kind of disconnect between what the principles are and what actually happens and plays out in real life. And, and I think that's where we need to make improvements. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this half hour has been Greg Alessara. He's the head of brand and communications at Harmony, which is spelled H-A-R-M-O-N-E-Y, uh, which is a, the, peer, the biggest peer-to-peer lending platform based in New Zealand, but also going uh, to Australia. And I guess the website, Greg, that people can find out more is harmony.nz.co, is that, or the other way around? <laughs> uh, just about, yeah, no, it's the other way around. So it's Harmony. Um, H-A-R-M-O-N-E-Y um, dot co dot N-Z. Very good. Terrific. Well, thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate you being on the Money Answer Show. We're going to take a break now, and we're going to be come back in the next half hour with Ola Dantas. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? 
Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Ola Dentis. He is the founder and CEO of Dwellin.com, which is a multifamily investment syndication firm based in Baltimore. He's also the... uh, anchor on the podcast called Dwellin. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Ola. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. It's a really honor to be on your show today. So just give us a brief uh, history of uh, how you got to where you are and uh, how you kind of got into real estate. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I've been living a pretty good good life. Um, you know, yeah, in the United States, I was going to my nine to five job and, you know, living life, living in a, a comfortable apartment building with my wife and life was great. But I just felt like there was something missing, like something I could not explain. Right. Um, you know, and then kind of a long story short, I, I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And just, you know, after reading that book, I just had this epiphany of like, wow, wow. I could actually do much more with my life. Um, and then obviously real estate was the, one of the strategies I was talking about in that book. So that kind of just, you know, turned a, a, a light switch in my mind of I could actually live a way better life instead of me just paying somebody cash flow. I was going to be receiving um, cash flow for my assets um, in real estate. So that's kind of like a really brief, um, you know, um, introduction of myself. You know, we, we yeah. are dwelling, we, we get um, properties, um, you know, on the contract, we, 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 you know, invest with other syndicators. We we invest with, um, you know, some of our clients, and then we take down bigger apartment syndication deals. We I can go into in, in detail. Yeah. So let's let's start with your first deal. You you have a nine to five job. Just tell us briefly how you made the transition and and what the first deal you made, and a little bit about that. 
Yeah, sure. I, I typically like to tell a story, actually, how that kind of came about. So, you know, like I said, I was living in the, in the United States and um, I've obviously lived in the UK as well. Um, so my my colleague called me from the UK and said, hey, Ola, can you, you know, meet me in Dubai? I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, can you meet me in Dubai? I'm going to be meeting with some investors there. I want you to meet me there and I want you to help me with my business. So I did, um, you know, what every smart man does. I asked my wife and said, hey, um, baby, a friend of mine, you know, that obviously she knows, um, said I should meet him in Dubai. She's like, well, absolutely not. You can just pick up the phone, do a Skype call, FaceTime, Zoom. You've got so many technologies, you don't have to actually go there in person. So I told my wife, I was like, well, maybe if I go, maybe I can learn something about his business and that might maybe help us. So eventually she did allow me to go. So I was on my way, jumped on the plane, went to Dubai. Um, it wasn't like a fancy trip. We were just basically locked in a, in a hotel room for about three days, just masterminding and kind of helping him with his business. But I, as that was going on, I, I realized that, wow, he was doing so well in his business in the United Kingdom. And realized that I was like, wow, I mean, I can do the same thing or similar when I get back um, home to, to the U.S. So when I got back home, I started listening to podcasts. I picked up a lot of books, one of which was, you know, Richard Poor I started educating myself about real estate. And then I kind of narrowed it down to, you know, starting with multifamily, right? So multifamily, let's say small multifamily. These are basically, you know, two to four units, um, typically on the, on the one roof. So what I did was, you know, th- about six months after I got back from Dubai, I had this fire burning in me. So I started looking at properties. I started analyzing, you know, buildings and I, I, I started to, you know, teach myself on the different parameters to look at on the different metrics to look at when I'm analyzing these deals. So eventually we got down to this one building. Um, I like to say it is in a class A area in Baltimore, Maryland. So we bought our first building and, you know, a little bit of a, just a short story. My, my wife just, you know, randomly one day, I think we were just sitting um, around and she was just like, Hey baby, I, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm having a lot of money in my account these days. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and that was, you know, a few months after we actually moved into our building. So we, you know, we were living in one of the units um, in the building. So we started getting, uh, you know, rent paid to us as opposed to what we were doing before, which was paying somebody else's rent and obviously giving them cash flow. So that epiphany was kind of like the start of our journey. Like, wow, what if you can do, you know, another one? And what if you could do another one? And in that kind of side, our journey, we created our company, Dwelling.com to basically buy bigger apartments and share the profits with other investors. So what is the advantage of doing multifamily, as you say, two to four family homes versus single family homes for investors? That is a a fantastic question, Jordan. So if you, for example, you are thinking, I want to get started in real estate, and then you just go out there and you buy a single family, which is great. Um, there's one of one of two ways you can do it is you can basically buy um, a single family. And if you want to be somewhat passive, somewhat, you can basically give that asset to a property management company and they would basically um, manage the thing for you. Right. So you don't have to really worry about, you know, toilets or whatever. Right. That company will manage for you and they will obviously they, they charge you know typically between four to eight percent depending on where you are in the country and then they manage all that for you and they give you you know the spread of cash flow every month or you can buy the single family and then manage it yourself then you have to deal with the tenants you have to understand you know tenancy laws in your in your market wherever you are in the united states you have to basically deal with other people 
Um, but this is the this is the kicker. When your tenant moves out, you have 100% vacancy on that on that property. So you have to pay the mortgage during the month that you have to get another tenant in there. On the flip side, if you have a you know two two unit a duplex or three unit a triplex or a four unit a, a quadplex, depending on where you are in the country. If a tenant moves out, you you still have another tenant paying for that mortgage, so you're not paying a lot of money, um, you know, while you're waiting to fill the units in. So if you have a four unit, for example, you don't if you if somebody moves out, then you have you know obviously just seventy five percent occupied, so you're still fine. That would cover most, if not all, of your mortgage, so you don't have to worry about you know paying for that extra um, you know you know, expense every month, essentially. So I think that's the, the, the one, you know, major difference um, between sort of a single family and, and, a, and a small multifamily. I mean, there's other, op- there's other yeah. reasons, but that's just a, the main one. Do you recommend only staying in your local area where you live, or do you recommend investing in properties elsewhere in the country where you don't live, where it's going to be more remote? So there's a lot of debate on this in the real estate investing um, sphere. And what I say is, it all depends on on you. If you feel like you're comfortable with owning um, properties out out of state, um, then you should do it. But if you feel like you want to be very active in terms of managing your assets and you want to be able to touch and see and you know talk to your tenants and you know just really have your property in your backyard, you, you can. There there isn't the right or wrong way. However, if you're just want to be on the passive side, you can invest in an apartment building in Texas and you've never ever seen it, right? The only thing you're going to see is your monthly checks or your your quarterly disbursement checks, right? You don't actually have to see um, the, the actual building. It's just like some of us, we, we have our 95 jobs and you have a 401k and, you know, maybe IRL. You never really see or been to the corporate headquarters of, <laughs> you know, the the stocks that you have. You, you, you've never, never been to Facebook or, you know, Twitter maybe. So you don't really have to necessarily see your asset um, for you to invest. So I think for you to have a, you know, a greater opportunity, you know, nationwide, I, I tend to advise folks to just, you know, make sure when you invest in to just invest in the first and foremost in the person. So obviously myself, like an, an apartment syndicator, a multifamily syndicator and the deal. Right. And maybe the market. So as opposed to if it's close to me or, you know, if it's not close to me, that's for the most part as a passive investor, it's it's not really relevant. So in looking to buy properties, are you looking for things that are on the market or things that are not on the market and you're approaching somebody uh, to sell who may not even be thinking about selling? Yeah, so that's a fantastic question. So from from a, an investor's perspective, we like to um, look for off-market deals. So we typically tend to um, reach out to brokers in the in a specific market, in this case, Texas. And um, we basically tell them what we're looking for. We give them a criteria, um, you know, a hundred plus unit apartment. Um, we want in this part particular sub-market. Um, if you do find something, let us know. So typically we, we build this relationship with the brokers over a number of months. And then when they find something, they are more than happy um, before it gets to the public market um, to send it to us. And then we can underwrite the deal, see if it meets um, you know, our criteria. And then we basically um, take that deal down, close that deal, and obviously now start to raise equity and send it to our, to our investor base. So this is not something the average individual is going to be able to do. And you're talking about 100-unit apartments, not two- and four-unit apartments, kind of big syndications. 
Correct, correct. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's kind of go back down to the two to fours. So if you're, you know, somebody was kind of started listening to podcasts, you've started reading about real estate, or maybe you get a coach um, to help you learn a little bit more. And you're thinking, hey, instead of me flipping or instead of me buying just one single, um, you know, family resident, I want to go multifamily two to four. So that is definitely, um, you know, public information. You can go on realtor.com, Trulia, Zillow, and you can just basically um, go to the, the, the filter and just choose multifamily. Um, and then you can start to see those duplexes all the way to quads in your market, right? And just kind of add to this, if you're looking to start small, um, and if it's your very first property, you can actually qualify for an FHA loan, which is basically something that will allow you to put down, you know, 3.5% as opposed to 20% down um, on, a, on a particular on a particular um, home. So that's really good for those who are thinking of just starting out. So you can just buy, you know, a four unit in your market, um, you live in one and then you rent the others. So basically the others basically pay for your mortgage and while you, lay, you live rent free. I think that's you know the, the the main advantage. Do you always need to have good credit to do this? I mean, what if you don't have great credit? Can you still get into the real estate game and small apartments? Oh well, absolutely. Yeah, this is. I mean, I don't want to get you know really into the details of you know your credit score, but essentially, if you can get a mortgage on a fourplex or a triplex or a duplex, um, you should be able to get in. And also, if you don't want to buy apartments, but you do want to get in and you feel like maybe you don't have enough cash to start with or maybe you think your credit is not too great you can do you know real estate has a lot of different strategies you can do wholesaling which is essentially you basically reach out to um, sellers some of which could be out of state and you basically try to get a property on the contract from that particular seller and then you find an investor typically a flipper or maybe a buy an old investor and you know, basically sell that property on. So you're basically like a middle a middleman, um, and then you get that that spread, that arbitrage in the middle. Um, so that's another strategy that a lot of people tend to start with in the real estate investing game. I guess they call that wholesaling, typically, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're gonna take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this half hour is Ola Dantas. He is the founder and CEO of Dwelling. And you can see more about him at his website, dwellen.com, which is spelled D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com. He also does a podcast about real estate uh, called Dwellen. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes 
recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ola Dentis. He is the founder and CEO of Dwellin.com, which is a multifamily investment syndication firm based in Baltimore. Welcome back to the show, Ola. Thank you so much. So let's talk a little bit about the advantages, the tax advantages particularly, of investing in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm kind of going to walk through, you know, just a different advantage. So one is cash flow, right? And, you know, for someone hearing this for the first time, they might go, what is cash flow? So cash flow is essentially, you know, um, the the remaining amount of money you get at the end of the month after you've paid, you know, for your, you know, what we call PTs or property, um, taxes, insurance, your mortgage, and some, some folks even advise you to put some money into some sort of escrow account for, you know, just maintenance. So basically everything after your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance um, has all been paid for and, and obviously excluding maintenance, what you keep, right? Um, so that's cash flow. So that's one advantage. Um, second advantage is appreciation, right? So we could buy an apartment building or even a, you could buy a, a small multifamily um, property and put it under your portfolio for X amount of money, less, you know, easy mass, let's say 200,000. And maybe in five years is appreciated, which is the same thing for your single family as well. Um, but that's the good thing about real estate, that that property can increase in value. And then you can, in some cases, pull out your initial funds um, that you, you, you deployed in that, in that asset. That's second thing and um, third thing is also you know taxes right you, you can't go wrong um you know i think there was a there was a news um i think a few months back that um jared kushner had you know made like so much money but paid zero in taxes and the reason why that is is because with real estate especially commercial real estate there's something called depreciation right you can basically depreciate the value um of that asset and make that an expense um, pretty much in your taxes. So that expense wipes out um, a lot, if not most of your income. So what you have as taxable income dramatically re- reduces, right? So, you know, you can just pay on that um, taxable income, which most of which has been wiped wiped off by, by depreciation. In terms of taxes as well, there's something called a cost seg, which is a cost segregation study. Um, this can be done on larger assets as well, where you get a consultant, goes through the, the, the apartment, and it breaks down the apartment down to even palm trees outside, right? And basically that can also help um, to reduce your taxes. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not sure this works. Well, if you join one of our syndications or if you, you know, invest with somebody that buys bigger commercial assets, typically you would join the LLC that owns the property. So when you get your K-1 at the end of the year, which is basically your, you know, um, your summary of your, your investments, that would show up on your, on your K-1. That expense would show up. So in turn, that would roll over to your personal um, taxes and then you can... Um, basically get those those tax incentives. Now, I must say, I'm not a tax advisor. Always, you know, reach out to your tax advisor, your accountant, if you want to find more about some of these terms that I've referred to um, on, on the show. Let's talk about syndication specifically, and even a deal you have now. How much does it cost for people to invest in it? What kind of yield are they going to get? And what kind of appreciation should people expect? And how long are they expected to hold on to 
a piece of that syndication? Sure. So because of, you know, different regulations, you know, 506B and 506C, I can, you know, say too specifically um, on this particular deal, but I can give you an idea. So, for example, we have, an, we have a deal we're looking at um, to invest with us. The minimum investment is 50000 um, Also, you have to be an accredited investor. You can check on, on our sites to see exactly what that means. Um, so you would invest. So in a typical deal, let's just, I don't want to put a name, let's just say a typical deal, you know, our, our returns could be between, you know, 12 to 15% um, in terms of yield or cash on cash return, as we call it. Um, but sometimes, um, you know, in the past, some of the deals have actually um, gone up so much in terms of appreciation because we, you know, paint, fix, renovate a lot of the units within the apartment building. And when we go to sell in five to seven years, it's gone up tremendously in terms of appreciation. So not only as an investor, not only are you going to be getting um, monthly or quarterly, um, you know, checks in the mail, coming to you when we sell you also split um in the profits as well so you get a big payout um, at the end of, of, of the life of the investment as well so that's kind of like the overview okay um and what is the advantage of doing a syndication as opposed to doing it yourself buying a two to four apartment you know uh, uh, syndication yourself that's a great question. So, you know, going back to the mode of investing, you know, if you want to be an, an active investor or you're thinking of maybe scaling your business from starting small and then kind of graduating up into larger assets and you think that you have the bandwidth, you have the time and then you have the knowledge to go out um, and take down a deal then, you know, yeah, sure, do that, um, you know, and you obviously learn a ton. Um, I, I would advise to speak to someone like myself or maybe get a coach just kind of walk you through um, because real estate is, is a very, very, very complicated business. So just know what you're doing. On the other side, however, if you just, if you feel like you just want, you know, to maybe just get someone, you just write a check and they deal with all the complexities, then obviously we refer, um, I refer you to maybe checking out like our website and just basically go um, in, in the passive mode of investing. You don't want to be the one speaking, you know, to the property management, managing um, the assets. You don't want anything to do with that. You just simply write a check. So is it that you want to be on the passive side of investing or you want to be on the active side? Now, there's also a major difference if you're looking to buy um, a duplex, you know, depending on where you are in the country, that's that could be $150,000 to buy that. Um, so you can obviously raise that capital from, you know, by yourself, maybe by saving up or, you know, maybe getting help from your family or whatever. But if you want to buy a hundred unit apartment building, um, you're looking at about five to 10 million, depending on where you are in the, in the country, right? So I um, know a lot of people have, you know, 20% of 5 million laying around like a million, a million dollars to go buy a hundred unit plus apartment building. So that's why we do syndications. And I know it's a very fancy big name, but basically syndications just means that you come together with other people to take down an asset, in this case, real estate asset that you can't take down by yourself. I'll give you a real life example real quickly. Um, if you're flying somewhere in the country, you know, it's, let's say you're flying to Florida, you don't call up United and say, hey, United, can I buy a, you know, one of your planes and I'm going by myself? You buy a ticket on a plane and you basically share the cost of that plane ride from where you are to Florida with 300 other people on the plane. So that's the same thing with syndications. Yeah. What is the, uh, the risk of buying into a very hot market like a San Francisco or Seattle if you want to do it as an investment? 
Oh yeah, so um, I, we definitely, definitely um, tell our, our clients and you know folks that reach out to us when they talk about you know maybe New York City and California, some of these very hot markets. You could lose, um, you could lose, you could lose some money um, in terms of your monthly cash flows because some of these hot markets is just really, really difficult to find assets, particularly in the multifamily space to find assets that actually make sense and you can really make um, good on your returns to your to you know in this case our investors so we stay clear of those markets because um, you could be in serious hot water if you don't know what you're doing and you're buying uh, multifamily in some of these very very hot markets yeah so you tend to buy them when there's not as much competition and you can get a better price that way is that what you're saying Correct. And we buy in select markets. So we really like um, Texas. There's a lot of growth potential in Texas, there's a lot of population, um, and there's a lot of just you know general market drivers that we look at at dwelling to help us select those markets and to you know keep active in those markets. Tell us briefly about your podcast. What kind of things do you have on your podcast, Dwelling? Yeah, thank you so much. So the Dwelling Show has been on for quite some time now. We have amazing guests um, who would basically come and share their story of kind of how they got started to inspire folks who are thinking of real estate. Maybe they're tired of the stock market, the up and down of the stock market, and they may be thinking of getting into real estate investing either as a passive investor, somebody that you just want to write a check and just get someone to manage it, or as an active you know, investors. So for us, we're targeting folks who are kind of in the in the beginning stages of their real estate investing journey, and we just basically give them free knowledge and just you know train them about to spot um, failures in the market and how to win in this in this market. Then, do you act as a mentor to people who want to learn about real estate as well? Currently, we're working on a program um, in LCS. So if folks are interested in kind of working with me, they can, you know, obviously go check out our site. Um, you can go to investwithola.com to kind of learn more. And if you just want to, um, you know, work with me. Terrific. Very good. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. My guest this half hour has been Ola Dantas. He is the founder and CEO of Dwellin.com. That's spelled D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com. You can see the syndications he's doing, the, the podcast he's doing about real estate. So I guess you've you've made quite a success of yourself, Ola, starting just by reading a book. Yeah, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful to be, to, to be a guest today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. We'll be back again with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.